You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Sometimes it's our faith that helps the ability to inspire others to do things for Christ. Sometimes they see the faith in us, and they're inspired, and it's almost like, well, if he can do it, you know, we get that feeling. We want to do that thing. We want to step out in faith. But that's why it's important for us to share stories of what God's doing in our lives. Because when you see the faith that they have, the faith that they step out, you go, yeah, I want to do that. I want to step out in faith like that. So we're encouraged, and our faith is risen, and our faith soars. People need help. Sometimes they need help in believing. Do you think of yourself as an inspirational person? You may not realize that others are watching you live out your faith. And as you do that, others are built up in their own faith. Today, Pastor Dave expresses the fact that you're someone others may look up to and that will get them moving in their own faith. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 9 as he continues his message, A Great Miracle to a Greater Miracle. This is what I once was, but now because of the love of Jesus Christ, because of him, I'm this. I'm not this any longer. And that's a powerful testimony when people see that alive in your life. When they see a changed person, when they see that change so so vehemently in your life, and it's like incredible, and they go, whoa, what happened to you? Can you imagine what the church felt like? Their number one enemy had given his life to Christ. Their number one enemy, the one who hated them more than anything, is now one of them. Now preaching Christ alongside of them. Can you imagine this wonderful time? You talk about rejoicing. Wow. Evangelism soared. Evangelism just went through the roof because we left off in Acts 9.31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. They were multiplied as the Word of God moves forth, as the Word of God continues to touch hearts, to touch souls, and change lives. So now, with Saul out of the picture, Dr. Luke's narrative shifts back to Peter's ministry for a while. While Saul was being hunted and while Saul was being converted, Peter's ministry was ongoing. He never stopped his ministry. Although we know that he visited with Saul in Jerusalem the last time it was... Uh, the last time Peter was mentioned was during the Samaritan revival. He and John had been called to Samaria, and they came down, and they prayed for the believers there, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Remember that? And we read about this. The last time Peter was mentioned in the book of Acts was Acts 8.25. It says, we see Peter and John returning to Jerusalem, but while they were moving along the way, they preached the gospel. Acts 8.25. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Peter's ministry didn't stop. Peter's ministry continued, and now Luke wants to pay more attention to Peter's ministry now that Paul is out of the way for a while. So the first thing we see here, I said that Peter, is, uh, Peter exemplified some of the characteristics of these men who we saw in this, in this story this morning. And the first thing I see is Peter was on the move. 
Peter was on the move. And you look in Acts 9.32, now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. Here we see a man in motion. Peter was on the move. He went through all parts of the country. Peter was ever looking for opportunities to serve the Lord and share the gospel message. Just like today, the Lord is looking to use men and women who are on the move. Those who are looking for opportunities to serve him. Some of us, and some of you have told me, I want to serve the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. But you sit on your hands and you wait for the Lord to use you mightily. Peter was on the move. Peter was stepping out in faith and doing the things that he felt the Lord was calling him to do. Peter was moving throughout the villages, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wasn't constantly sitting around waiting, okay, Lord, I know you want to use me. Now use me mightily. Remember our discussion about steering a ship? It's anchored and not going anywhere. You can't steer it very much, but when it's moving, it steers pretty easy. A car sitting in the driveway trying to steer it, but when it's moving, it steers kind of easy. God wants to move you and use you while you're moving. He wants to use you while you're going about. So what does that look like? What has God asked you to do? Have you walked in faith lately? Have you stepped out and done something in faith thinking God wants to use you? Be in touch with him. Be be praying about things. Be be asking, "What, what do you want me to do, Lord? And then as he shows you, step out. Step out in faith. The Lord will use you and he'll bring up situations where you can step out in faith. One reason the Lord used Peter mightily, because he was on the move. Peter was moving through the towns preaching the gospel. You have Christ in you. Christ goes everywhere you go. So it's easy to take Christ with you and preach Christ. You're on the move in the grocery store, in the Wawa. I've said this before. Everywhere you're going, Christ is with you. Be on the move. Be prayerful. Lord, put somebody in my path today. I want to, show the, I want to share the gospel message. I want to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ today, which is one person, Lord. I dare you. Put one person in front of my path, and then, boy, be ready. Be ready. Be at the Wawa or be someplace like that and bump into somebody. My wife's got this great ministry. It's called grocery shopping. Holy mackerel. She goes grocery shopping, and she spends half a day. I'll tell you right now. She's out there forever. She's out there forever. And then, but then she comes home. Well, I ran into this little old lady who needed help here, and I ran into this person and that person. All these people just come. She's like a magnet. People just come up to her, and, and she helps them out, and she talks to them, and she's nice to them. It's ministry, folks. That's what ministry is all about, being nice to those who need help, helping out the needy people. It becomes a ministry. Peter was on the move. And God was going to use him mightily because he was on the move. He wasn't sedentary. Oh, Lord, use me, use me, use me. And never go out the door. Never walk out the front door. And God, you're going to use me. Peter comes to Lida, which is a town of the Gentiles, basically. It's more Gentiles in there than there are Jews. It's about 25 miles from Jerusalem. And he's led to this man who's paralyzed. He had been paralyzed for eight years. Verse 33, there was a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Peter comes into town, and the Lord leads him to this man who is bedridden. When searching for ways to serve the Lord on the move, he will always bring you to those in need. That's exactly what I just said. You want to serve the Lord? Get out and look for where there's a need. One of the great things in Pastor, one of Pastor Chuck's book about planning a Calvary Chapel, about serving the Lord, that basically said, stop praying about it, go out and find a place that's in need and preach the gospel of Christ. Be on the move. He comes into this town, and he moves in there, and this man can't even get out of bed. In some of your translations, it might say that he had palsy. 
Some of the translations say that he had palsy. But the scripture tells us absolutely nothing about Aeneas. We don't know if he was a Jew or if he was a Gentile. He might have been a believer because in verse 32, it said that Peter came down to the saints of Leda. So we get an idea that he might be a believer. It really doesn't say. But although one thing can be sure, and we can assume, this man had no prospect of getting well. He had absolutely no prospect of getting well. He was just lying there. What a miserable life. I'm sure he thought that he was a burden, not only to himself, but to the others around him who had to serve him. I'm sure there was depression. I'm sure there was discouragement. I'm sure he was thinking, what a lousy call that he had gotten. And what does Peter do? Peter comes in and performs a miracle. Peter comes in and does something that just, talk about socks being blown off if they wore socks back at that time. I mean, talk about doing something that is so unusual. Peter walks in there. And look what he says to the man in Acts 9.34. Peter said to the man, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he rose immediately. Peter has a one-on-one encounter with Aeneas. There's that one-on-one encounter with Aeneas, just like Christ. Christ loved the one-on-one encounters. Now, it's great to preach to thousands. It's great to preach to hundreds. It's great to share God's word. But it's so important to share it one-on-one. So important to share it when you're sharing God's word from your heart to a person who God has put before you. Hmm. Peter wasn't worried about Ananias' bed, whether it was unmade or not. He was worried about his soul. What was the condition of his soul? This man was in need of a soul transplant, a heart transplant. He needed Jesus Christ. He needed salvation. (laughs) Chuck Swindoll, he wrote this about this very verse. He said, this was really powerful. Some of us for years have been saying, arise and make your bed to our teenagers without any results. He said, arise, make your bed. But Peter knew what this man needed. He knew what the main problem was here. It wasn't the man's illness. It wasn't the fact that he was sick. It was the fact that he needed salvation. He needed salvation. He looks at the man and says, Jesus the Christ heals you. Peter declares that it's not he who heals, but Jesus the Christ who is the healer. See, Peter knows the power of Christ. He's seen it firsthand. He knows exactly what it can accomplish. He has seen it not only power for a work when Christ was on earth, but he has witnessed the same power now dwelling inside in him as he witnessed that power. Remember he went to the gate beautiful and lifted that man up? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk and lifted that man up. Peter's almost doing the same thing here now. And this was the guy, remember, who had his life changed forever by Jesus Christ. This was the guy that denied him three times, the coward. The coward that denied him. Remember when he said to the Lord before the, uh, the, the crucifixion, though everyone else will leave you, Lord, I'll never leave you. I'm going to be right there. And then he denies him three times. Denies him three times. But the Lord restores him. The Lord restores him, and he knows what restoration can mean to somebody. He knows how to be restored. When you're being restored in the Lord, he knows that wonderful feeling. Talk about rejoicing. He knows what it feels like. And he also knows that the only power that he has comes through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. He knows that it's not his power. He's not going to run out and set up Peter's healing ministry and set up a tent and call people in to be healed. He's not going to do that because he knows it's only Christ that gives healing. It's not man's power. It's Christ's power. What a privilege to be involved in such a miraculous event. What a privilege that God has called him to. Peter knew this and he gave God all glory. He gave God all glory for the actions that he did. Peter knew it wasn't anything that he could do. It was the Lord. What's the result? Well, in 935, you see fruit. 
So all, dwell, all who dwelt in Leda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. They see this man walking around. Wait a minute, weren't you the guy that couldn't get out of bed? Weren't you the guy that was bedridden for so long, eight years, and now you're walking? What happened? Jesus, the Christ, healed me. Wow. Talk about drow drawing people in. They wanted to be healed also. But it's interesting. Remember in John 2, Jesus didn't commit himself to those who followed because they only followed him for the miracles? Jesus wants it on a deeper level. Jesus wants us on a deeper level. He's looking for a commitment based on faith, not by sight. The danger in building our faith upon what our eyes see is that there is danger there because it, it, we, we, we're trusting in something that we're seeing. He says, trust in the eternal, not the temporary. Trust in those things that you don't see instead of the things that we see. Faith is not seeing with our eyes. It's trusting with the eyes of our heart. It's being focused upon Jesus Christ and the promises that he has made to us. Faith really isn't reason. It's trusting in Jesus and taking him for his word. When Jesus said to Thomas, remember, Jesus had this little confrontation with Thomas. He said, because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe, he says in John 20, 29. Thomas's faith was based on the fact that he saw Jesus as Savior, and Jesus wants us to believe simply because he says he's a Savior. We need to believe. It's quite refreshing to read about Peter's attitude in the healing of Aeneas. This was a wonderful miracle and occurred in a Gentile setting. This positive ministry experience would soften Peter's natural prejudice towards the Gentiles. Remember, Peter was a Jew. There was a natural built-in prejudice towards the Gentiles. And Peter, this would soften his heart. You know, positive experiences can change the way our attitudes are. Positive experience that happened in our lives changes the way we think about things. And the Lord wants to take out these prejudices from our lives. When you're serving the Lord, there is no room for prejudice. There's no room for prejudice in the kingdom of God. And Aeneas did what he was told to do. And this took great faith on his part. He gets up and he stands on the words of Peter. And, you know, sometimes it's our faith that helps the ability to inspire others to do things for Christ. Sometimes they think the faith in us, and they're inspired, and it's almost like, well, if he can do it, you know, we get that feeling. We want to do that thing. We want to step out in faith. And that's why it's important for us to share stories of what God's doing in our lives. Because when you see the faith that they have, the faith that they step out, you go, yeah, I want to do that. I want to step out in faith like that. So we're encouraged. And our faith is risen, and our faith soars. People need help. Sometimes they need help in believing. What they need is a genuine person standing in front of them with a genuine love for Jesus Christ, a genuine love for them, and it's evident. Remember, I asked you the question, do people believe that you really believe what you say you do? When you're talking to somebody about Jesus Christ, can they sense in your being that you really believe what you're talking about? Or are you just trying to get another notch on your belt? There's a difference, folks. There's a difference. There may not be a lot of people bedridden like Aeneas, but I would imagine some of us are life-ridden. We may not be bedridden, but we might be life-ridden. We may have had a discouraged life. You may have even given up trying to find anything worth putting your hope or your faith in. Religion probably has been a major disappointment to you. It probably never did what you thought it might do for you. And you really, sometimes you just really don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. A lot of people are like that. They're life-ridden. What these people need is more proof. They need to see Christ in you. 
They need to see Christ in you. Well, if you love this Christ so much, show me. And as you demonstrate that love to them, they're drawn into this conversation and they're led right to the cross. As you demonstrate Christ in you, the hope of glory, other people want what you have and you're able to give a reason for the hope that dwells in you. I don't want to go in there on my own strength. I want to go in there on the strength of the Lord when he's called me, made me available, and I come in there and I want to be able to show Christ. I don't want Dave, I want to leave Dave at the door. It's time for Jesus. It's time for Christ. And I want to make sure that that's who they see and that's who they hear from. They don't need my advice. They don't need me. They need Christ. But you have to be prepared up for that. You have to be prepared up. You have to be ready to go with that. The greater miracle that, Peter, that, that the Lord does through Peter is the restoration of physical life, the actual restoration of physical life. Peter lifts this woman up and presents her to all who, who see her and all who are gathered. This must have been quite a sight. You know, you can say a lot about this story. But by faith, we accept what happened here and what we read. And I personally love this story because and I thank God for this story because it presents to me the gentle touch of a loving God who lives in the lives of his people because he cares so much. He cares about each thing we go through, each time we have a problem. He wants someone to be there so that the love of God can come into the situation and bring peace and comfort and calmness to a very dire situation. He cares for his people. He even cares about the death of his saints. But most importantly, he wants us to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. He wants us to spend eternity to him. Peter was on the move. Peter was available. Peter was prayerful. And because of these things, he becomes fruitful. Here you have Peter and all his brawn. He was said to be a big guy, a big fisherman, and all his brawn, kneeling next to the bed of this saint, and he prays. He offers a simple prayer of God, calls out our name, and the gal gets up and rises up. The result of this miracle? And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed upon the Lord. The Lord never wastes an opportunity to show himself strong. Many people are brought to faith because of this miracle. In the following works of the apostles, when we look at the book of Acts, we, don't see, we see all these things that the apostles did. They even did greater things than Christ. And didn't Christ tell them they would do that? Christ told them that this would happen. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, Most surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. We see in the book of Acts that lame walk, blind see, dead are raised back to life. Are these miracles over? Do these miracles no longer exist? Because of the death of the apostles, now can we assume that there's no longer miracles in our lives? I see nothing in the scriptures that would indicate that the death of the apostles brought an end to this miraculously work of the Lord. There's nothing that proves it to me. You know, although there have been scattered reports of confirmed miracles in the church today, I have to say that a lot of these involved in these so-called miracle ministries leave a lot to be desired. And unfortunately, they're there for dishonest profit instead of the Lord, glory. The fact that we don't see evidence of true miracles today does not necessarily mean that the days of miracles are over. I find the fault with men rather than God. I think it's our fault, not God's fault. I think God wants to do those miracles. I think that he knows our hearts. Give me the gift of healing. I'm going on the road, baby. No, he knows our hearts. 
He knows our hearts. Isaiah the prophet said, Behold, the hand of the Lord is not short, that he cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. In Isaiah 59 verse 1. What's the problem? Our iniquities have separated us from God. We saw a great miracle. Peter healed the the lame man, the sick man. We saw an even greater miracle when Peter healed the dead person. But there is the greatest miracle of all. The greatest miracle ever given to mankind is salvation through Jesus Christ. That is the greatest miracle that you'll ever see. That the Lord would love me so much that it would give me a way to be reconciled back to him after all that I've done, after all that I've said, and the life that I've lived. That is a miracle. That the Lord would take a broken life, a broken down life like mine, a life full of disease, full of hate, full of sin, and change it and make it to his glory, that is a miracle. That is a miracle. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've seen too many miracles to say, and deny God's power of miracles. I've seen too many people get healed. I've seen too many things happen in God this word to say that these miracles no longer exist. But I don't direct the works of God. And I should never be in a position to direct the works of God. They are God's works, and they are God's to do. But they always begin with Him. And He's always looking out for someone who's on the move. Looking out for someone who's available. He's looking out for someone who is on their knees praying and praying in the Spirit and saying, use me, Lord. Use me. I want to be used so that you would be glorified. Not that I would be puffed up and built up, but that you would be glorified. It's important that we recognize the work of God. It's important that we say, yes, God did this in my life. And it's important if God heals you that you stand up and say, God healed me and give him glory. Because all healing comes from him. So as you're on the move today, let the Lord direct your paths. Let the Lord direct your steps. Step out in faith. Make yourself available to him and for his service. And listen to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes he speaks to my heart. He doesn't speak to me audibly. I don't get that, Dave. I don't get that. You know, he speaks to my heart. He confirms it through his word. I, I, I get a feeling that this is what he wants to do. And as I step out in faith, things happen and doors open. Be on the move. Be available. And be on your knees in fervent prayer, communicating with a God who loves you so much that he would even think to use us. <laughs> That's the most miracle of all, that he would even let us be a part of this. It's amazing. It is amazing to me as we commune with him and then we're on the move and we're available and we're praying, all of a sudden, fruit comes up. Fruit appears miraculously. Do you think the strawberry plant ever wonders where the fruit comes from? The strawberry plant is just there one day, and he goes, how'd that get there? He didn't do anything. He just hung around. He was there. That's what fruit does in our life. It's there. It's there. Go ahead and get it. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope Radio with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. 
if these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen, Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live. So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609-884-5821. That phone number once more is 609-884-5821. Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website, assurehoperadio.com. We've come to the end of our time together for today, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope. Rescued us, we're ready now to stand up on our feet. Born again, we now go out. We set our hope on the grace.